0: Hi everyone, I'm Rachel zabonik Chanko and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. This episode features a conversation with Mark Miller, the COO of Merit Clubs, on rebounding strategies. We discuss how Merit Clubs use the shutdown as an opportunity to improve its business, how the brand will pivot as a result of the pandemic, how Mark feels about there not being any baseball, and more. Enjoy. Well, first off, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. I really appreciate
1: it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: First, can you just give a brief overview of the status of your clubs? Do you have an opening date? What's that looking like?
1: So, we did finally get an opening date. So, currently, we, we were shut down on March 16th and we've been closed till then. As of tomorrow, Friday, June 19th at 5 p.m., we can open our county clubs. We are not able to open our three city clubs at this time. We're still waiting to hear from the mayor, even though the governor has given us guidance that we can open each jurisdiction in Maryland, has the ability to make a final decision. And so the mayor has health clubs and pools and all that still closed. So we're hoping to get a little bit of guidance and be able to open those soon.
0: Yeah, awesome. You know, a lot of clubs have used the shutdown to improve their facilities and operations. Um, Is there anything Merit Clubs has improved operationally that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, happy to. So we we had about three months of shutdown. And and in those three months, it gave us a good opportunity to, you know, do a couple things. One is we we got a chance to really deep clean our clubs and, you know, go through thoroughly on every area, make sure it's clean, sanitized, disinfected and then to put the systems and structures into place to ensure a safe environment for all of our members. So we spent time moving equipment out, socially distancing things, taking over basketball courts. We built plexiglass shields to put in front of all of our group X stages and our spin stages to help mitigate any type of spread and to protect our instructors. You know, we've added hand cleaning stations, sanitization stations, gym wipe stations, all those things. So. We spent a great year doing that. And then from there, we took the opportunity to really evaluate our operations and look at our processes and procedures and areas that we can improve upon or things that we've always wanted to do. So example is we're, we're using this as an opportunity to really go to a cashless operation. So no more cash on site, everything is through our app. We've revamped our food and beverage area to where you know, we're using a paging system now and digital menu boards. We have reservations for our kids zones, reservations for our group fitness, reservations for our aquatics. We've upgraded our app to be able to use it for event pay and things like that so we don't have to go through an Eventbrite. So we've really used that as an opportunity to really improve a lot of our operations and our systems and our structure. We've looked at some of our comp plans and how we can improve the compensation and focus more on customer service and customer experience and you know not so much create systems or comp plans where you know people try to game the system and all that. So we really used it to enhance all those things. And then the third aspect has been that we've really done a deep dive and looked at and learned that we need to be a little bit more diversified as a company and can't rely so much on just membership dues because when we were shut down in the state of Maryland, we could not bill for anything. So we have not had any revenue coming in in the last three months. So you know, we've been giving away virtual content and all that. So now we've built some of the platforms and some of the membership plans that we now have a virtual membership plan and really looking at how we can diversify our offerings so that if there is another wave, we're, we're better prepared. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've heard from a lot of club operators, you know, upon reopening, fortunately, most of them are able to get their membership dues back up pretty quickly to maybe not as 100% as it was prior, but to maybe 70 or 80%. But definitely the ancillary service revenue has taken a huge hit. So yeah, just hearing you talk about diversification, can you share some maybe specific strategies that you guys will utilize to kind of offset that loss of ancillary services in addition to the membership dues?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we're probably like every other company, we're hoping that when we get back up and running that, you know, we're kind of forecasting to be around that 70% that you mentioned, although, you know, we'd like to be more like 85%. So we have to really look at our business now and say, okay, well, how do you create a profit with that type of thing? We're assuming that, you know, personal training is going to come back at 25 to 30% initially, we've been on a lot of the, you know, various podcasts, the Rex roundtable calls, the things like that, and just trying to learn from everyone. And we're, for us, we're thinking that we have to do a couple different things. One is we have to have an engage, a re-engagement strategy, I should say for all the people that are going to remain on freeze or have possibly canceled during this period of time. And think about how we really strategize going after them and, and re-engage them and getting them back on billing. Then, The second part is we're really exploring this whole virtual membership and having an offering that will be a virtual only so that people can still take group fitness classes, get personal training, do our wellness services, and yet never have to really set foot in our clubs. And it gives us that other ancillary stream. We're thinking that personal training could become, you know, as popular as virtual group fitness. And just looking at how some of our trainers had pivoted during this time. We are looking at corporate and what will happen with the corporate market and how we could potentially help them with, you know, offerings to all their employees and, and maybe, you know, the importance of health and how health is going to play into that. And knowing that a lot of corporate fitness centers are probably going to remain closed because of the inability to social distance in such a small space so how can we attract some of those to come over to our clubs and then we are looking at like the creative things so you know we do summer camps and we feel we're going to take a hit in summer camps. so our regional director and a couple of our program managers have been working on virtual summer camps and could that become an option for us to do some sort of virtual learning summer camp and we also are looking at what would happen in the fall if schools are closed and learning about how parents today had to educate and you know take their kids through the virtual offerings and is there some sort of thing that our child care centers and our kid zones can help facilitate that maybe we can take some of that burden off of them and lastly our pool bars and all that we are looking at in the fall how do we shift so that we can be like a food to go type of order, like they could put their order in and they could pick it up at our clubs and we'll have pre-made meals, pre-made dinners, pre-made shakes, whatever it may be. And, and people could order it through our app and we can provide that service like a restaurant to go does today.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love all those ideas. Just circling back on a couple of the ones that you just mentioned, particularly the virtual fitness offerings, can you maybe share a couple of examples of what that might look like for the consumer?
1: Yeah, so our thinking on virtual is, is twofold. One is we want to be able to offer, you know, the group fitness classes. And, you know, we were lucky enough that Les Mills, you know, did a great thing for the industry by offering all their free content and all that. So we're looking at, is there a way to keep that partnership going and do something where we can offer our members that? But at the same time, we're also looking at where on our app, our members can view our classes. So let's say that you were teaching a spin class, we could either record that spin class or play it live. And if you couldn't get into the class, you could watch it through your phone or through your home computer, and you could be participating with the class, or you could get it on demand and take it at a later date, like people are doing with Peloton and all that. And then from the fitness standpoint, we're looking at how our trainers can take someone through a workout but do it more as a virtual type of thing. So it almost kind of becomes, I guess, coaching more than the hands-on type of training, but it would be more of a coaching where, you know, they might get a dumbbell, a foam roller, a bungee cord and jump rope. And we take them through a full body workout that is a 45 minute circuit.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I know a lot of clubs are looking at virtual fitness just in a completely new light as a result of the pandemic, which I know you just touched on a little bit. And then also realizing that that might give them an opportunity to not only engage with existing members, but expand beyond and potentially reach customers that they never would have before.
1: Yeah, and the the major thing for us is that we've, you know, we're getting our fair share of cancellations like every club will when you start to open back up. and. A lot of our members, our younger members, are saying that the reason why they're not coming back to the club is that they've either built their own workout centers in their basements or garages. We heard that Southern States, which is a farmer's tractor supply store, they've been selling horse stall mats like water. They've been going out like water and people are using them in their garages and all that, and they're buying dumbbells and things like that or they found a virtual app that they're taking classes. I had one member who commented to me and said, I never realized there were so many free yoga offerings on the internet. And so I'm not coming back because I can get it for free and I feel very comfortable doing it in my home. So we're thinking, okay, well, how do we reach that market?
0: Yeah, I was just watching a panel the other day and one of the panelists was Stephen Thorette with Club Intel, and he was talking about some of the research that they've done. And surprisingly, I think a lot of gyms were expecting baby boomers and seniors to not want to come back, but it's actually the exact opposite. The baby boomers and seniors are, you know, just craving to get back into the facility, but it's actually the millennials and the Gen Z, which have gotten into more of a habit of using virtual fitness or working out at home, and they're not as likely to come back, which is
1: interesting. Yeah, plus the financial aspect, right? Because baby boomers and all that seem to have set themselves up to be a little bit financially in a better position where some of the younger millennials and Generation X and all that, they, you know, they really haven't, position themselves or they still have student debt and things like that, so it's understandable. We were actually seeing that prior to closing the clubs. We were starting to really notice the number of our members that would come in and they would be watching videos and doing the exercises along with them in the club. So we had already started to kind of see this a little bit. We just didn't make that reaction quick enough. And so, you know, I think this this pandemic has really helped us at least accelerate on some of these areas that we probably should have accelerated on a little bit sooner, but now we have to figure out how to kind of position ourselves in such a manner that you know we could take the place of one of their other apps or that. Yeah, for
0: sure. Well, another thing that you mentioned, which I think is interesting, is the potential opportunity in corporate wellness. Do you think that businesses, as a result of the pandemic, are really realizing and understanding now the value of having a healthy employee base?
1: You know, that's a good question. I think employees realize that it's more important to be healthy now. And I think they're going to put a greater push on their own health. and. I know that we we had unfortunately put you know over eight hundred employees on a leave of absence when we first shut down. and we we did keep a core group of people around to work in the clubs and and prep for all of our stuff. but the people who were, as we're starting to bring them back now, a lot of them are asking us, what are you doing to ensure a safer work environment for us? And even you know our people that are at our home office, you know, they're asking about like, are you socially distancing our desks? are you putting, plexiglass between cubicles. And, you know, they're really taking it a step further. They want to know what sanitization, what um, safety protocols have we put in place at the home office, not just the clubs for them as well. So I think from a corporate standpoint, I I have a gut sense that the employees may push them even more to get there. But I also think from a company standpoint, a lot more companies are, are going to let people work remotely from home. You know, we're, we're going to allow some of our staff to do that temporarily while we get things back up and running. And we also know that that over time will lead to, you know, feelings of loneliness, isolation, some sort of mental stress. And, you know, our wellness director has been working on some mindfulness programs and things that will counteract that. And we think that that might be an opportunity for corporates because they're going to be looking to, you know, offer those people something along that way. So, you know, I guess my my answer would be, I, it's probably on both sides. I think companies are going to probably realize it a little bit more, but workers are definitely going to realize it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, what additional tips could you share for how clubs can successfully navigate the rest of 2020? Any tips for rebounding?
1: Well, so that's an interesting one. So, we we've, we've been talking with our leadership team and You know, I've used a word called VUCA, which is a uh, terminology for how the the world is today. You know, it's volatile, it's uncertain, you know, it's complex, and it's ambiguous all at the same time. So, you know, we're looking at it from a standpoint of we have to let yesterday go and realize that we have to build a new model for today. And that model might be, to your earlier point, 85% of membership dues not back up to hundred percent like we were in the past we might have to retool how we do everything and so we need to be flexible we need to be able to adapt we need to be able to pivot much quicker and we need to be versatile so we need to look at things and we can no longer run health clubs the way we've always run health clubs we've now got to be thinking about when the next pandemic comes because it's going to happen again i think we've all come to that realization that. You know, nothing is certain anymore in this world, and we need to be prepared. And so we need to start having conversations. It's it's not enough to say, okay, now you're reopened. Now it's time to say, okay, we're reopened. Now let's talk about the next one. How do we prepare? If there is another wave of shutdowns, what is our strategy? What's our game plan? You know, what do we need to start thinking about as an organization that we should be investing in today? You know, maybe our capital investments are no longer in new equipment. Maybe they're in new infrastructures or new systems and structures or new programs and services and new ways of doing things. And, you know, we got to just look at how we can adapt. And I think one of the big keys for the rebound strategy is we're going to need to talk to staff more so than ever, because I think that's where we're going to learn a lot of things. We we started talking to our group fitness instructors and our personal trainers and It was amazing the things that they were already doing once they shut down and they got laid off. They started having, you know, Zoom classes and go to classes and all those things. And we were like, wow, you know, they adapted and pivoted so quickly. And maybe we don't utilize those resources enough because sometimes we just think that they're oh they're just an instructor or teacher. But they're very brilliant, very smart individuals. And I think if we can tap into their innovation and their creativity, we might be able to learn something and be prepared.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. I've heard from a lot of operators how just inspired they were by their staff, seeing how quickly they are able to pivot and innovate.
1: The downside is is that some of them did it so well that there's no reason for them to come back to our clubs. You know, we have one Group X instructor that he's brilliant and he's got about 80 people taking a Zoom class, paying him 10 bucks a class. So he's making $800 a class. There's no reason for him to come back. I mean, he teaches three classes in a week. He just made $2,400. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely something for other leaders to really be thinking about, because that could be something that they're facing with their really talented group fitness or personal training staff.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, so that could be another rebound strategy, right? So as a leader, I might have to look at, okay, well, how do I create things so that my instructors And my staff want to stay with me and not go off on their own because unemployment is already tough. You know, we don't want to lose good, talented people because sometimes when you lose good, talented people, you also lose the members with them. And so, you know, are we really, truly taking care of our employees and doing right by them as well?
0: Yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit to talk about marketing strategies. You know, after you guys have been allowed to reopen, any insight as to what marketing might look like for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah. So we, like I said, we're opening our county clubs tomorrow and we start our marketing right away. We are not wasting any time. And our philosophy is going to be that we need to invest in marketing because we need to get a different message out. I think the days of pricing and trying to discount and all that, I think those are gone. I think people have put a value on their health. I think this has shown us that, you know, life is fragile and, people need to take care of themselves and so they'll make the investment in it. So for us, we're really looking at how the message is different. How do we start to attack the regaining of trust that you know health clubs are not what people think they are, that you know we are clean, we are safe, we are structured systems. I know that we've had a couple of calls with our county executives and one of the things that we sold them on is that health clubs are actually better than like home goods stores and all that, because we can identify who's in the club, when they're in the club and where they are in the club, whether they're taking group fitness, aquatics, kid zones or whatever. And we know what time they checked in and we could even have them check out and know what time they checked out. Whereas if you go to a Home Depot, you don't know who's in there, who's not, you know a number, but you don't know who the person is and where they went. And so, you know, health clubs have gotten this bad rap when really, we have some really great operators in this industry and great leaders. And I think we need to push that message out there that health clubs are here, that we are an essential part of our communities and that we can take care of people, that we not only make them healthier physically, but we also make them healthier from a mental aspect, as well as, you know, building immunities and building social connections. You know, even in a world of physical distancing, I think you could still build social connections by, you know, the things you can do and interact with people. So we're gonna really focus on that message and how do we start to build that back into people and, you know, creating this road to recovery for all.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I know a lot of club operators were a little bit frustrated by policymakers having a lot of misconceptions surrounding the industry's ability to clean and sanitize and provide a professional environment. And as a result, they're recognizing that, you know, we as an industry need to have a louder voice and just be more involved at all levels.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we need to do, you know, a a better job of educating our leaders in our states and all that on what we can do and, and even our health departments and some of the conversations with them, you know, I don't think they understand what a health club can really do for somebody. And, you know, Blair McCaney, who's done a wonderful job, and I know that he's done a lot of things for you guys, you know, he, he's done those free surveys and, and we did it in our clubs. And it's amazing how our members rated our cleanliness prior to even being shut down is very, very high. Like they said, no, no, you guys have always been clean. So our members don't have that perception. Yeah. But they're more concerned with the other members coming back. So they're not as worried about us, but they're worried about the other members coming back and how do we enforce those behaviors? So a lot of this is just education.
0: For sure. Well, I know that, you know, member cancellations or requests to freeze, you know, when you've just been in a shutdown and you've had to maybe turn off billing, I think the natural instinct might be for people to not be as flexible with their customers. What are your thoughts on if clubs should be flexible concerning member cancellations or requests to freeze?
1: Well, so I'm going to answer that in two two ways, if it's okay with you. The yeah. first one is I want to go back to the marketing. So from a marketing standpoint, we know that social media, Instagram, you know, TikTok is hot now with all the kids. You know, those are the platforms that they use and they will take to that. So when they wanna cancel all that, they're gonna take to that. And so, you know, while we use those platforms to market out the message and to show the things that we're doing and all that, we have to also remember that the way we respond to those things is also part of our branding and our marketing and so, you know, we have to treat cancellations and freezes as an opportunity that we are making an impression. And our philosophy is is that, you know, we're gonna let people freeze because we know that they are fearful or they feel unsafe and, you know, for whatever the reason may be. And we're also gonna let members cancel. Our philosophy is is that we wanna create it such a great experience that when they come back and they feel comfortable coming back, they think of us because of the customer service experience. So we're thinking of it as we're building an alumni member, not a canceled member. How do we create something so that this person can stay connected to us that they go on social media and say, "Oh my god, you know, this club did this for me and and Merit was so nice and they were so understanding and, you know, they made me feel comfortable and, you know, that's the club I'm going to go back to when I'm ready." And we've been able to pivot and and save a lot of the cancellations that we have started getting and just allowing them to freeze because we've been talking to them and we understand that they're canceling because that's the gut reaction. But the reality is they're canceling because they are concerned, they have a fear, or you know, they have a loved one at home who might have cancer or a compromised immune system. So they don't wanna bring something to them. And we're like, look, that's fine. We have some people who they're just uncomfortable. They wanna use the pools outdoors, but they don't wanna use the indoors. And we, we said, look, that's fine, just come use the outdoors and you know, let us show you the indoors. You don't even have to come in the workout. We'll just show you what we've done. And if you still feel uncomfortable, we'll let you freeze. You know, So we're, we're gonna take freezes for at least 90 days at no charge. We're gonna try and save the cancellations, but anybody who wants to cancel, we're gonna try and do right by them so that we're building them for a future when we can re-engage them. And then we're gonna create a strategy after we get through our reopening on how we go back to these people and market to them in such a manner that we can re-engage them and bring them back into the fold. Even the ones that are saying that they're going to stay virtual, because you know as well as I know that there is a little bit of a difference between working out in front of your TV at home and working out in a class with, you know, one of your best friends or that, you know, even if they're six feet away, there's still that, like, we're doing this together type of thing
0: for sure people definitely crave that human connection even if it is six feet apart exactly yeah Yeah. and i think it's a good point too about you know some members being fearful and the great thing is is that a lot of for the clubs that have reopened they're noticing that sometimes members will come in to cancel but then when they see how much effort has gone into the sanitization and the cleaning processes and and really how well the clubs are executing everything they are then comforted and don't end up canceling. So that's a bright spot.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, any other tips for how clubs can navigate financial uncertainty during this time?
1: Well, probably a couple things. One would be be prepared. Like you got to be open to change, be looking at things differently, right? Diversify all the things that we've already talked about. But the same thing, I think we all need to start to rebuild and be prepared with our reserves, because I think a lot of organizations like us probably burned through our reserves. And now we have to be re-prepared. So we, we have to look at things from such a manner that we're not just taking care of the bills of today, we're also preparing for the bills of tomorrow because you know again if something else happens we want to be prepared to have those reserves again but i also think that we have to look at how we operate and from a financial perspective i think we got to do things in a different manner because we all know that we're going to spend double what we were spending in the past on cleaning and sanitation it is just going to become kind of the new thing and you know in the past people would walk into your club and ask you if you had a pool or ask you if you had a basketball court now they're going to walk in and go Tell me what you're doing to clean. Tell me how you're sanitizing this place. I want to see it. And, you know, that's going to come with a cost. And so I think what we need to do is we need to adapt and we need to understand how the financials are going to play out. And then we have to reshift our models on how we can do that. And, you know, I hate to say it this way, but that could mean raising dues. I mean, some of the models are built on volume and unfortunately with social distancing and with limitations from our governments that changes the models and so now we have to figure out how financially we can afford different things i think we all have learned that we have to go back and renegotiate our rent structures you know rent becomes a very big thing and you know we need to make sure that our rents are proper for us as health club operators and you know that they're advantageous and that we can you know afford those payments and all that so i think we we gotta through it with a fine tooth comb and, and and learn from this and think about where we can make adjustments
0: yeah well you've shared a lot of really great tips and insights is are there any other final pieces of advice or rebound strategies that you'd like to touch on
1: you know i think my advice would be stay strong be courageous don't give up you know a lot of the greatest people, the greatest leaders and all that. It's in those moments of uncertainty. It's in those moments of adversity that we really show who our character is. And I think that our industry has done such a great job in showing the character of what we all can do. And I think that on the other side of this, we're gonna be positioned as an industry and as a group in a much better place. I am amazed and delighted to be part of this industry and to be a part of a group of leaders across this nation. I I have sat on calls where we literally have thrown out the competition and we are sharing things with each other like we've never shared before. We are talking to each other like we've never talked before. And we started to realize that, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're the gym across the street or the gym next door to me, we're all in this together. And I think that if we can keep that mentality as an industry and as leaders and we can really think of this as we are all in this across this country together and we can share everything and you know what you guys have done with these podcasts and all that and and the education and all that. I think if we continue all this, I think we can really change the impact that we have. And I think together we'll stay strong and you know just be flexible. And then when you're having those bad days, reach out to someone that you respect in the industry and you know let's Lift each other up. Yeah, great advice.
0: Am I correct in remembering? Are you a baseball fan?
1: I am a baseball fan.
0: <laughs> How are you feeling about not having potentially not having sports for the rest of the year?
1: Uh, oh God, well, we you know we as an organization are part of the we we sponsor the Baltimore Ravens cheerleaders and you know we're, we've been big supporters of them. We have season tickets and all that, and so we're all kind of going nuts here to go. Well, what's going to happen? Like, what am I going to do on my Sundays? yeah so you know not having sports I find myself watching the 30 on 30s or you know the different things luckily my daughter and my son are big sport advocates and so you know we talk sports a lot and uh you know i got my fingers crossed that hockey's gonna do something here and baseball and football and all, all the sports just because you know i, I know they're such an integral part and, and i love watching them and experiencing them together with my family so Fingers crossed that something will happen here.
0: For sure. Well, yeah, I think that's it, Mark. I don't have any other questions. Anything else on your mind you want to add?
1: You know, excited to get open and I'm excited to see all the other states that are getting open. I appreciate you making me part of this. I think what you guys do and, you know, the publication and everything. I know my staff has been on every seminar that you guys have had on the Wednesdays and we thoroughly enjoy them and You know, I would just say kudos to you and, you know, to everything that you guys have done for the industry. And we really, really appreciate it. Thank you.